Hi, friends. I titled this sermon, Blessed Are the Meek. And yes, I did plagiarize that from Jesus. I think he's okay with it. I subtitled it, What You Can't Learn from Amazon. And there's a little story behind that. I did some research and I found out that there are approximately 2 million separate titles of books on Amazon.com. Out of that, about a third, 700,000, are in the self-help section. You will find thousands of books about how to become more wealthy, how to get ahead in your career. You will find tens of thousands of books about losing weight or getting more fit. Guess how many books you will find out if you wanted to discover how to become meek? And the answer would be a big fat zero. There are exactly zero books on Amazon.com out of 2 million titles that have the words or the ideas becoming meek in their title, subtitle, or description. You know, it's almost as if we didn't really care that much about becoming meek in our culture. But then this Jesus of Nazareth comes along. He comes into our life and he tells us in Matthew 5 that blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The meek, they are blessed. They are the ones who will find joy and happiness, for they will inherit the good things of the earth that God has. They, the humble ones, the ones putting others first, they are the ones who get the goods. Now, usually we think it's the exact opposite, right? It's a type A, it's the pushy people, it's the sharpies, it's the ones scrambling over each other to, to, to gain advantage. They are the ones we think who get ahead, who get the good things in life. But Jesus says the opposite is true. So, either he is an idiot or we are. I'm going to go with the second option there. Because I believe that Jesus Christ really is someone sent from God, equal with God, and therefore as the creator of our life has a lot of wisdom, the ultimate wisdom, about what constitutes happiness and blessing and fulfillment in our life. So if you're with me in this, I'd like to like for us to delve into this topic of the meek shall inherit the earth, therefore they are blessed. And I want to break this down into three parts. First, what does Jesus mean exactly when he talks about the meek? Second, why are the meek blessed or why should I be, seek to become meek? And then third, how? If I believe all this, how do I actually become more of a meek person? You're not going to find it on Amazon, but you will find it in the Word. So, first question. What is meekness? Jesus says in Matthew 5, blessed are the meek. Well, we've got to start here because we're quite likely going to have a wrong idea about what meekness is. And that's probably why we don't choose to seek it very often. We normally think of meekness well, if not the same as weakness, uh, very similar to it. Someone who's afraid of their own shadow, uh, too wishy-washy to stand up for what's right or even to have a strong opinion. J. Upton Dixon was a fun-loving guy. He, uh, tongue-in-cheek, he started an organization called Doormats. Doormats, and the acronym stood for Dependent Organization of Really Meek and Timid Souls. And their motto was, The meek shall inherit the earth if that's all right with the rest of you guys. Now, Mr. Dixon sounds like he'd be a lot of fun, doesn't he? But what's disturbing behind all that is the idea that many people, even in the church, have that that kind of meekness is what Jesus has in mind here in Matthew chapter 5. 
But then we remember or realize that there are actually two people who are held up as a model of meekness in the Bible. One is Moses, the great prophet and leader, and the other is Jesus himself, the Lord of heaven and earth. Not exactly weaklings. So what does it mean then when Jesus talks about the meek? Well, first thing to understand, there are two aspects of weakness. Weakness, or, I'm sorry, meekness is an inner attitude before God that become, then becomes an outer attitude or action towards people. Let me say that again because I messed it up. Meekness is an inward attitude before God that results in an outward action towards other people. So, <clears throat> meekness, an inner attitude before God. Now, what is that attitude towards God? Well, you can sum up in two words, basically. It is humility and trust. The meek are those who, first of all, in their relationship with God, are marked by humility and trust. The meek have a growing awareness of God's greatness over all things. They grow in the knowledge that God is above everything, and including and especially themselves. His ways are better. We can never understand his ways fully. And the meek become those who are the poor in spirit of the first beatitude. They have a deepening awareness because they're looking at God of their own nothingness before the greatness and the majesty of this God. And not only his, his great power, but his moral character. They know that they deserve nothing but guilt and condemnation. But here's the thing. They also know that they have received nothing but grace and kindness and forgiveness. This gives them an attitude of, of great humility and wonder. A.W. Tozer put it like this. The meek man is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of his own inferiority. Rather, in his moral life, he may be as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson, but he has stopped being fooled about himself. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows that he is weak and helpless, as God has declared him to be. But paradoxically, he also knows at the same time that in the sight of God, he is of more importance than angels. In himself, nothing. In God, everything. That is his motto. So, trusting God develops out of this. It's knowing and believing that God uses his great power for our good, to ennoble us, not to condemn us or destroy us. Therefore, the meek person doesn't have to worry about getting ahead or looking out for their rights or their, for their advantage. The idea is something like this. Why would I have to fight for a scrap of bread if my father owns the bakery? You know, I see this played out, very interesting passage in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3. The, the church at Corinth, you know, they were fighting all the time. And, and the big thing they fought over, apparently, was their leaders. You know, some attached themselves to this person because of his gifts or contributions. And others said, no, this, this person's greater. And, and some were for Peter, some were for Apollos, some were for Paul himself. And, and Paul, Paul says, no, put that away. He says this in uh, 1 Corinthians 3. No more boasting about men. All things are yours whether Paul or Apollos or Peter or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. 
Now, do you see what he's doing? He wants them to put away their unmeek attitudes towards each other, their arrogantness towards each other by remembering. They have everything that they really need already because of who God is. And so that kind of feeds into this idea, this inner attitude of trusting God because he has already given us so much, his heart is toward us, as well as humility before God. Meekness is an inward attitude before it becomes an outward action. The one must come first. All right, now let's then talk about this outward action. We said meekness is an inward attitude towards God that leads to an outward action towards other people. What does that look like? Well, in a word, it looks like servanthood. Let, let me give you an example here. Rick Warren recently wrote about um, a, when Dan Cathy, the president and CEO of Chick-fil-A, uh, came to visit him. And they were together and they had gone out uh, to check on some new Chick-fil-A's that the company was building. And they stopped at a, at a Taco Bell. Um, here's how Rick told the story. While we were there looking at a new building, we were hungry. So we drove next door. I think it was a Taco Bell. It was some other fast food competition, uh, fast food in competition with Chick-fil-A. We'd been out, our hands were all sweaty and dirty, and we went into the restroom and washed our hands. And then I watched Dan take out extra sheets. Now, this is the CEO of a chain of restaurants, and I watched him pull them out, and I watched him take those and clean the sinks of the Taco Bell bathroom that we were just in. And I looked at him and said, Dan, thank you for doing that. And he said, Rick, we always teach our staff to leave any place better than when we came in, whether it's our place or not. He knows that nobody at Taco Bell or the Taco Bell headquarters knew that the CEO of one of their competitions or one of their competitors just cleaned their bathroom for free. That's a good example of meekness. But there's an even better one, even one that outshines anything that we could talk about here. And that's Jesus himself in Philippians chapter 2. Paul writes, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or in vain conceit, rather in humility and meekness, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped for his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Jesus was the most meek and humble man who ever walked on this planet, and he was also the strongest and most powerful and wisest man. He had all the rights to use his wisdom and his power and his authority for his own advantage if he wanted to, but he didn't. Meekness meant not using his rights, resources, power, wisdom to, to get ahead in this world's terms, but rather in serving the deepest need of others. That is meekness. That is who we are called to follow. Now, hopefully that begins to answer the second question then. The second question is this. All right, why would I want meekness? Why should I seek meekness? Why should I become 
a meek person, it's not what the world values, right? They value the powerful. They value those who get ahead, those who are rich, those who don't put up with other people's foolishness. Well, you know, you can go that way if you want. You can seek the world's ways and what the world values. But before you do, can I just give you two reasons instead you should seek the kingdom and its meekness? First, and that's what we've just been talking about, is that when you become meek, you become like Jesus Christ. As we mentioned, the Gospels, from beginning to end, demonstrate the meekness of Jesus. How he gave up his prerogative, his rights, and his power, and instead laid them aside so that he could serve us. In, in fact, you see it, especially that last week of his life. He rides into Jerusalem on, on a great white charger, like a warrior, like a conquering king. No, uh, on the foal of a donkey. In meekness, he comes to them. My favorite example of his meekness, though, has to be in John 13. The night he was betrayed. He knows he's going to be, uh, he's going to be betrayed by Judas. He's going to be abandoned by the disciples. He's going to be disowned by Peter and denied by Peter. And yet knowing all these things, he comes to the upper room, lays aside his outer garments, and begins washing their feet. This is before Judas leaves, right before Judas leaves to betray him for money. He comes to Judas. He comes to Peter. He comes to all of them and washes their feet. No wonder St. Paul in 2 Corinthians 10 once said, I entreat you by the meekness of Christ to follow his example. In fact, one Catholic scholar put it this way, that the Beatitudes, the whole Beatitudes themselves, are a self-portrait of Christ. Christ was meek. And so the call to meekness is a gut check. Who do I, who do I want to be like in this life? Do I want to be more like the powerful people who make the news? Or do I want to become more like Jesus Christ? Now, of course, there is another reason to become meek. And it's what is mentioned here in our text. It is the meek who inherit the earth. The meek are the ones who get the good things in this life that God created for us out of love. Now, again, it doesn't seem that way, does it? And it's, it's not that way if our life consists solely in the 70 or 80 or 90 years here. Rather, it seems like the pushy ones, the ones scrambling to get ahead, the sharpies, they are the ones who get the good stuff. Jesus says otherwise. So what does he mean by this? What does he mean that the meek are blessed because they are the ones who inherit the earth? Well, it seems to me there are two ways that this is fulfilled. One way, this is a future reward. The kingdom of God, we remember, is not a disembodied existence where we float around on clouds. No, it is a restoration, a perfection of this world, of the earth. God loves this world. He is not done with it. He loves it enough to walk into it, to eventually restore it, to purge it of all evil, and to infuse this earth with his kingdom, this kingdom of of this new humanity with all the virtues and perfections of himself. And the meek inherit this because they are the ones who get a part of this. They are the ones who receive the good things in life because God created them not to live 70 or 80 or 90 years, but to be eternal beings, 
And so this, this time frame of, of life within this present body is a very short sliver of that life indeed. Second, though, even in, even in this present life, there is a progressive fulfillment, a, a proof of concept, rather, of the idea that the meek inherit the earth. How? Well, because true meekness allows us to really enjoy what we already have. It simply allows us to enjoy this life on this earth as it should be. Because we're not focused on what we don't have. There's a story told, there is a story told about William Randolph Hearst. He was a multi-millionaire and became an avid collector of expensive and rare works of art. He read about a painting somewhere and he became determined to acquire this for his collection regardless of the cost. So he sent his agents out around the country, around the world to find this. And this search cost him thousands of dollars and lasted several months. When his agents reported back to Hearst, they told him that the painting had been found. It was in one of his own warehouses. He had it for many years and didn't know it. Meekness allows us the joy of this world, to enjoy the good things that God has already had, because our focus is not on what we don't have. If we are meek, then we're focused on simply thanking God and enjoying what he's given us, instead of thinking we should have more in chasing those things. Not only that, there's a very freeing aspect. It frees us to let go of some things that destroy our joy. Joshua Becker writes, Meekness on the surface appears to empty its holder of all power, but on the contrary, it grants enormous power to its owner. Humility offers its owner complete freedom from the desire to impress, to be right, or to get ahead. Frustrations and losses have less an impact on a humble ego, and a humble person confidently receives opportunity to grow, improve, and to reject society's labels. Beautiful thought. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be completely free of all the worry and anxiety about uh, what people think of us, about getting ahead, about being right and no one is being right? So the meek are the ones who inherit the earth, not just in the sense that they have a part in this coming eternal kingdom on the earth that's there, but also in the sense it allows them in freedom to enjoy more fully the blessings of this very life. All right, that brings us then to the last question. How? How do I become a meek person? Again, you're not going to find it on Amazon, but you will find it in this word, right? You will find it here. And especially, I love the book of James here. And we're going to look at James 1. James, I think, was a brother of, of Jesus Christ. And uh, I think he, reflecting on Jesus and his teaching, led him to his thoughts in James chapter 1, where he writes this in verse 19. My dear brothers, everyone should take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you 
which can save you. That word humbly is the same word as meekness that Jesus used. Do not merely listen to the world, world. Sorry, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. If anyone who listens to the word does not do it, he is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, what do we see here? You have the ideas of meekness and blessing tied in together. And James, who was not, who, James, uh, let me put it this way. Jesus, I understand, was meek in his very character. James had to learn to become meek. So he tells us a little bit about what that became, what that was like. And the first thing we have to do is, is we have to look and focus on God and his word and his standards and not the examples of this world. We have to look to God. The beginning of meekness is seeing ourselves as who we really are. And we can only do that by looking at our creator, the one in whose image we are made and whose image we're intended to live. You know, the prophet Isaiah, I, I you know, looking back in Isaiah 6, he was, I, I assume, one of the good guys. Right? He was a serious follower of Yahweh. He was a prophet after all. And yet when he got a vision of God as he was, he could only drop his eyes in shame and say, Woe is me. I am an unclean man. And I live in a, in, in a midst of unclean people. Our friend, uh, our friend Chad, he works with wealthy people trying to help them figure out how to plan for their retirement years and how to handle giving to their kids and to charity at their death. And, and he's mentioned to me that he has never, not in one time, not in many of the years of conversations he's had with people, talked to someone who felt like they were living extravagantly. A couple would be spending a half billion dollars a year, say, but they would say, oh, but we're not living extravagantly. Now, how can a couple spend a half million dollars a year and not think that they're living extravagantly. Well, because they're looking at other people who are doing the same or people who are spending a million dollars a year comparing themselves with that. And it's the same way that we, who live in the wealthiest society almost in history, uh, who live on sometimes two, three, four times the amount of, of, of income that many other people in our world do, we look around us and we don't think we live extravagantly either, but they would. So the idea here, what I'm trying to get across, we'll never grow in meekness by looking at other people and valuing ourselves by them. We grow in meekness by placing ourselves before God and saying, how do I compare with the one who made me, the one who knows how I should be? And, and related to this, this is the second part of, of growing in meekness. We have to look to God's word. We have to look to God's word. Do you see how James talked about that? He used actually two different metaphors right there. He said, humbly, meekly, it's the same word Jesus used, receive the word that's implanted in you. So he, he's thinking of an agricultural metaphor. It's a seed planted in the soil. But he says it, it, it's, it's there. But unless you humbly receive it, it won't save your soul. Well, how does, what does that look like? Well, he switches metaphor. He uses, uses the example of a man 
and, and the word here is specific to males because females wouldn't do this, who looks in a mirror, sees what's wrong, and doesn't change anything. So in modern day equivalent, someone goes up to the, a man goes up to the mirror, he sees there's something on, on his face, his tie has a big spot in it, his collar is rumpled, and he walks away without fixing anything. James says that's what we're like when we hear the word of God, we understand we need to change and we don't do it. But instead, when we humbly receive this word is when we respond to it by obedience and learning, it says that person will be blessed. Now, look to God, humbly receive his word, and then lastly, choose to live out the paradox. The paradox of meekness. I suppose I should kind of explain what I mean here. This beatitude seems like a paradox, right? All the worldly wisdom tells us that the way to get ahead, the way by uh, of getting good things in life, is by seeking to use our power and our resources, our smarts, to advance our own agenda, to gain more possessions or status or possession. We're, we're climbing upwards using whatever skills and resources we have. But Jesus is telling us that what seems obvious is wrong, that the way up actually is down. The way to fulfillment is by emptying ourselves for other people. Do we believe him enough to truly seek this kind of meekness? 1985, a man named Joe Simpson and a partner became became the first people to extend the west face of the Sahila Grande Mountains, um, just under 21,000 feet in the Andes. A storm hit them on the way down. Joe's safety line was cut. He had to slide down, where he didn't have to. He was forced to slide down with a broken leg into a deep crevice where he was stuck. After several desperate attempts, to climb up and out of the crevasse, he was faced with the fact that his injuries made going up impossible. So against all survival instinct, he made the hard choice, the excruciating choice, to lower himself deeper into the crevasse in the hope that there would be other exits that he couldn't see further down. All the time wondering, am I lowering myself to freedom or deeper into the belly of the earth? Does a ray of sunlight await me in the pit showing a, a way out? Or is there only darkness and a slow, cold death? With, with every inch he lowered himself, he edged further away from the obvious way to life and there was no way to go back. Now, obviously, Simpson chose wisely since he wrote a book about that experience and I'm, and I'm summarizing his experience here. That story illustrates the kind of surrender we're going to have to make if, we're to have, if we are to have any sort of breakthrough in becoming meek people and becoming useful for the kingdom. What if we did though? What if instead of this futile choice to inch in, inch upwards by our own efforts, we made the counterintuitive, countercultural choice. What if we chose to lower ourselves to defy every survival instinct and start emptying? Will we not find 
Do we believe it? That blessed are the meek, for they are the ones who will inherit the earth.